Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host for the Kid Lit Studio Podcast. I'm your host and writer in training. Our guest today is Rachel Kenyon. She's the author of the picture book, You Know How to Love, which I have right here, handy dandy with me here. Um, and so she wrote the words along with uh, illustrator Mary Lundquist. In addition to picture books, she's also doing chapter books and young adult, uh, multi-talented. When she's not writing, she can also be found reading to fourth graders, encouraging kids to follow their dreams about and what they're passionate about, and even traveling to Honduras to help with Souls for Souls. So I would like to go ahead and welcome Rachel, who is also, by the way, a member of SCBWI Mid-South. Rachel, thanks for coming on. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yes, yes. Well, it's great. So just to give some people some backdrop about what this is. So um, the Kidless Studio podcast is designed to help newer writers like myself uh, learn how to get better at both the craft and the business of writing. So just the fact that you're tuning in, listening, watching, whatever is great. It means that you are getting better and learning. And that's kind of the whole idea for this. So, um, so Rachel, to kick things off, we kind of set this up. So origin story first. How did you get into writing? Well, so I, there's a staggered start for my writing. My mom is an artist and a writer, and she is my whole life written in rhyme. That's one of the things that, one of the hooks that she's brought to life always. So when we were young, birthday cards were these big brown paper craft cards taped to the wall with big rhymes written on them for our birthdays. So rhyming, I've always loved to rhyme. I got that from her, absolutely, and, and journaling as well from her. None of that had anything to do with ever thinking that I would have a career that had any connection to writing at all. Mm -hmm. um, but in midlife, um, kind of mid-career implosion of just overwhelm, I sat on my yoga mat one day and, of course, turned to my journaling and my rhyming, and something came out one day that I, it was like a big giant aha. And I thought, wow, as much as I love, I was already a reader and reading to kids, so as much as I love picture books, I thought, wow, that that's a thing right there. And then I started looking back through my stuff and thinking, this has been a thing for a while and I never even considered it. So I really, I think I was training myself for my whole life and never realized that's what I was doing. So what are some of your, like I always, you know, what were some of your favorites as a kid or even now that uh, other than obviously you know how to love. That's really one of the best books. That's, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that it's a funny question um, because when I was a kid, I was not a reader. I, I didn't like reading. I, I was the fourth, the youngest of four kids. And so my siblings were a big part of raising me. And, and I just, I didn't like reading. My mom didn't like sit in bed and read with me, but I watched her write. So I wrote, um, probably my favorite book as a, ch a child was Rumpelstiltskin because it's the one that I remember. Like I still have it. So I was born before 1970. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, and my, I looked at it the other day, my Rumpelstiltskin is a 1973 print. That's when my mom and dad gave it to me. So wow, very cool. And the giving tree too. Those are the two that I kind of have had forever. And the giving tree is interesting because it's got so much controversy right now. Um, so that, those are like my two favorite childhood books for sure. And then I just didn't read like through elementary school and middle school, I had to be forced to read anything. Hmm. And wow. until I was 18, that was the case. So 18 came and I read my first Sidney Sheldon novel and then I was hooked. <laughs> so, um, so what is, uh, I guess from, from this, um, so is this your first published book then? It is. Yes, it is. It's not my first queried and pitched and efforted book, but it's the first one that got published. 
Okay. And what was that process like? Like one, the, the, the normal part of it. And then two, like, what was your reaction when you found that out? Okay. Um, I think if I go back to getting, signing up with an agent, um, that was remarkable. You know, I, I, I went through this process the old fashioned way and I didn't have, there was no magical connection or I wasn't at something with my spouse and got to meet the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no like life altering event that I could write about that then became a book. So I literally like read the SCBWI book. I <laughs> listened to the seminars. I read blogs about querying agents. I researched agents on the internet and I started a spreadsheet and literally just started querying agents the day I thought I had a manuscript that was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, the, when I first, my did my first round of queries, I did 45 queries in like three days. Wow. Later, I learned that that's not the right thing to do. <laughs> it's generally, that's as a rule of thumb, not your best bet. Sure. Um, so I did, I went through that process. And then one day, lo and behold, um, a response came from an agent who is now my agent, Mary Cummins. And she just said, I, I think I really see something in this piece. Let's talk about it. And that's how the process began. When I got that email from her, I can still right now feel the tingles of like somebody responded and liked something that I wrote. And I will say for the people listening who are doing or considering doing that process, like Mary, I specifically could pinpoint researching her, finding things I knew she liked, making sure the manuscript I picked to send to her fell in that realm, and even using some language in my query letter that was language she used in some of her articles. Like, it's not a joke. Like, connect with them. They want to know that you are paying attention. Um, So once Mary, then there's a process of the agent. And then once Mary started sending it out um, on submission, uh, the day that she sent me the, the, we have an uh, intent to offer, I was walking in the house from the grocery store with my husband and carrying all my bags. And I set them on the counter and went straight to my phone, checked my email. And I think I just about started crying. I was like, (laughs) can you believe this is, I was like, David, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. And I was freaking out. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Now was what you submitted, was it this book or was, was that what yeah, it was? Yeah. I mean, this was the, you know, that, that was one of the, the magic things for me about Mary is she was really spot on. She knew what she saw, what she liked and she knew where to go with it, which was really, um, maybe it's luck for her as well. But for me, it, the experience was pretty great because she didn't query it. She didn't submit it for a year or anything. She, she did it to a handful of people. Like she knew what she wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so th- I think I got a little spoiled with that because the process once Mary had it in her hands, wasn't that long. Um, and now I will say though, since then, Mary has put things out on submission for me that have not been taken. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a much more agonizing process, right? <laughs> that they, and, and I think other people can reflect on like the, when your agent says, oh, I think we need to set this one aside. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, oh. <laughs> Did so much work. So yeah. a newbie question for you. So, uh, so you write uh, picture books, uh, chapter books, which are like for younger, younger, newer readers, mm-hmm. and then young adult, which is a completely different thing. Do you, does a writer have, three different agents? Do you find an agent who can do all three or what's that like? Yeah. So I think that it's going to be different depending on your agent, right? So there are agents who are much more honed and specific. Mary um, does a range of projects. Now that's not to say that if I wrote a YA that was not really in the realm of something that is in her repertoire, she may choose to not want to put it out. 
and submit it. And she and I may then have a conversation that says, well, if I want to put this out, what do I need to do if I want to find another agent for it? Um, but for, for the most part, I think um, you can work with one agent in, a, in the Kidlet community. I think that's mostly common. And, um, but, there, but there's a reason that it's smart. And the reason that I've learned is it's a very small industry for being such a big industry. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you don't want to have different things out with different people at different times in, that are going to maybe hit the same editor's desk and there's confusion about, well, who's the agent? What are they writing? What project are they working on? There's, you know, there's a method to agents madness and they're really pretty smart. And so I think it's really important to whatever, even if you're writing multiple genres to have an agent who's helping you direct your career. And, and that's for me, I'm career driven with this. If someone is not really career driven, if they're just like, you know what, I don't, I just want to have something and it's out there and it's not really a big deal and it's not about anything else. Maybe that's not as, um, like focused and they aren't as worried about it. But for me, I want Mary to tell me now's the right time or now's not the right time for this next genre or whatever. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And how do you, uh, how do you have com- conversations with your agent? How often are you in communication with your agent and are you typical to other writers that you might know? Um, I'm typical in that what I've learned from a lot of people, I think, especially if you're still getting going, right? This wouldn't necessarily be the same for someone who's got 17 books out and can pick up the phone anytime they feel like it and say, hey, I got one. And they go, great, send it right now. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, it's, you know, there's a, a once a month touch base always about what's out, what she's got out, what she's working on. Um, I'm free to reach out to her anytime I have something I think I want her to consider. If I say, hey, I've got this new one. I think it's polished. I think it's ready Will you look. Um, I'm pretty sensitive to try to not overwhelm her. She can only do one. She's only gonna pitch one picture book for me at a time, you know? Right. Um, but, um, and I, from what I've heard from people I've discussed it with, it's common to have anywhere from like every month to every few months, a touch base. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for new writers as, as you're kind of um, cultivating your relationship with your agent to really understand the eight, what to expect from your agent. And that was a great thing for me is Eric Mary was able to say, this is the schedule that I will work on. You, I, we will have something out on submission. And if I have nothing constructive to send you from feedback, I will touch base with you within four to five weeks. And that way I knew that I wasn't in three weeks going, gosh, should I hear from her? What's happening though? And she was spot on. Like at that four to five week mark, even if she didn't have any final answers or productive feedback yet, she would say, here's where I am. Here's who it's out to. Here's my next plan. And then, and, and I really appreciated that. So I would, my recommendation is as you're learning and getting to know an agent or talking about possible representation, find out what the expectation is for communication. Um, and then if you, do, if that isn't met, then have that conversation. So at you as a writer, what is your sort of daily process or weekly process, especially balancing different genres of what right. you're trying to do? Right. Um, so my, my life is on not a regular daily schedule. So I think many, 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 many writers don't just write for a living. Um, mm-hmm. and so I have another income earning avenue for now. And I have a 14 year old and a husband and two dogs. And my other work is freelance. So not, no one day looks the same as the next to me. So for me, like it schedules everything. So I have a calendar and it changes every day, but like this conversation with you is plugged in. I know it's there for the writing component of that for me, because it's always changing. There has to be writing on my schedule. 
Um, I'm a, I'm a morning girl. I like getting up early. Um, I'm not nice at night. I, I hit a peak like at about 8 PM <laughs> and I'm downhill from there. So I love my, if I have my druthers and everything in, you know, falls into place, my writing time on my calendar is in the morning, um, with coffee post, you know, getting up, but pre breakfast, like I just like to get up and go right to it. I'm the most creative right then. Um, if it works out that I really have decided I need to carve out writing time in the afternoon, I will almost always try to take a nap first. Mm -hmm. There's something about that wake up and write for me that is huh. really huh. magical. Um, so yeah, so my daily process is that there isn't a daily unless I put that on my schedule. It, it doesn't happen if I don't schedule it, period. You, I, if I think like, no, I know it's gonna be a light day, it's fine, I'll do it when I feel like it. <laughs> just like anything. Yeah, I was just reading that, that, you know, I'm a professional writer because, and that means I write when I don't feel like it. <laughs> that was the guy who wrote, wrote Soul, who's the new Pixar movie that's coming out. That's goes, awesome. That was his definition of being a writer, is I write when I don't feel like it. And that's Spot on. Spot uh, on. So how long do you write? And then do you take turns between projects? or how Yeah, I write. Um, so the different, it's really interesting. Writing, working on picture books for me is very different from working on a YA. Because I feel like I can, I can approach a picture book for 10 or 15 minutes, if that's what I've got, and pick at it. I can't sit down with my YA or really even a chapter book, and I need at least an hour, and, and preferably two, to, to really just get back into it. Um, so one of the things that dictates what I'm going to work on in any given day is how much time I have, right? If I know I have a good chunk of dedicated time, I'm, I'm likely to go to the, to the YA. Um, if I'm gonna if i if i know i've got a 30 minute window i'm much more likely to have a picture book out um and i think it's really important to know what you want to be working on right because it's really easy to get scattered and some of my critique partners that's one of the things we do for each other one of us will go out on a tangent and we'll kind of say okay wait come on back like do you want to finish this right now or do you want to switch focus and they'll go no you're right i want to finish this um so so yeah timing i when i first started this on purpose I thought I was going to be a coffee shop writer, you know, <laughs> I was going to go hang out at the good cup and it was going to be awesome. I was going to be sitting in my little corner and be all cool because those writers are so cool. Right. Erica, like they, I love those writers um, and I'm totally not that writer. Like I, if I go sit in the coffee shop, like I want coffee and I want to eat and then I want to look at my Facebook and then I'm looking around and then I'm just too antsy to sit there. So, <laughs> so it's really become like, I've treated it like it's part of my home schedule. Um, and I carve out that time and I do it here, um, not at my work desk, at other places in my house. Um, but yeah, I do planning ahead and that like I, I need to, you, the thing I think you don't always get to do is write what you feel like working on, right? Like I'm, there's a picture book I'm working on right now that I'm really close on. Um, and I don't necessarily feel like it because I've got another idea that I started, <laughs> but, I, but I do. I need like picture book time right now needs to be for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so with that, you mentioned, you know, something with your critique group, oh, explain kind of how your critique group works, how for and this again for newbies, like I, I just started in one, which you helped out with. Um, and, um, and it's been great for me just the first two or three times that we've met. Explain what you get out of your critique group and how you operate in case somebody's like, oh, maybe I should be in a critique group. Um, so I have, there's, there's a small group that I've worked with for a while. Um, and it took us a while to get there. So, so I would say the first, my first piece of advice, is, my first statement is a critique group, as far as I'm concerned, is mandatory. And that can be a group or a partner or a series of partners, depending. 
but I couldn't do this without the peers that I'm working with. So it's not about the, uh, hiring a professional or having an editor or an agent tell you what they think, a creative process peer group. So, um, for, but, I, but what's interesting is that I have different people that I work with for picture book stuff than for longer stuff because the process feels really different. So with my picture group critique group, like we might sit down, now we'll do it on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever, um, but we'll all be working on something and we'll, round, we'll, we'll try to send it to each other ahead of time and critique it. Like I'll just sit and go through each other's stuff and come to the table with our notes and then we'll just take turns. Okay, Rachel's gonna go first, so everybody will do Rachel's and then the next person's turn and everybody will do that person. And then we, we go around, we make all our notes, we, you know, and we'll be in different phases. Somebody might be in the idea phase, somebody might be in the polishing phase, somebody might be writing their theory pitch. Um, so but we'll all kind of, wherever we are, we'll share our notes, make our notes, brainstorm. And then at the end of that round table, we all make sure we have a goal for, for our next meeting. Um, and I always say, if you can schedule your next meeting and have a deadline, deadlines are everything. Um, and it's an accountability thing, right? Just like exercise and diet and, you know, all good practices, right? Accountability. So for my picture book group, it looks a lot like that. I have um, two people that I work with for longer stuff and they are longer writers. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like I could bring my YA, you know, I can't bring 5,000 YA words to my picture book critique table, fairly. <laughs> And, and then, and expect them not only to, to like have time to do that, but to keep up with my story and where I am with it. And I mean, it's a whole different feeling. So I'll sit down with one YA partner and we'll spend an hour on each of our stuff. So for two hours, we'll be working together. And wow. prior to that, we've read and made notes on each other's stuff. So it's a, in a way it's a bigger commitment, but it's just, it's a different commitment. Mm -hmm. um, you, because you can't, you have, you, I can't, like if I, call, if I emailed you tomorrow and said, hey, go through this one for me. Can we manuscript swap? Will you give me a critique on this picture book? You'd be like, yeah, that'd be fun. And we'll swap and we'll give each other notes. I can't throw at you the middle, you know, 17th chapter of my wallet <laughs> and have you go over it. So it's a long commitment in a different kind of a way. Um, and if only one of you is writing, it doesn't feel very fair. Mm -hmm right? Because it's a lot to ask. So for me, that's been a really different process with different people. Um, but but in, in both, I would never be here. I would not be having this conversation with you if it wasn't. There's no way. We are part like of a bigger group of, you know, SEB, WI, Mid-South. You've been with the group longer than I have. Just I've only been a year or two now. Um, and it's amazing. Um, one of the other groups, you know, you've, as a writer, you've got your own process. You've got your critique group. Do you have mentors that you've had, uh, maybe maybe separate from critique group or within that, or who have you looked up to and what have you learned from them? You know, interestingly, most of the kind of direct mentors that I would consider mentors are SCBWI people, partly because that was the first organization that I found, and um, it and it was an it has been an amazing connection. SCBWI, the offerings are to me the best. Thing that you could ever have so everybody now that i talk to if i get someone i'll meet someone you know a parent at school or something that'll say i really want to write too what how do what do i do like my first answer is join scbwi um, <laughs> and then start just tapping into everything that you possibly can um but for me the, some of the best mentors first of all are books that i read so there are authors on my shelf that i so aspire to even come close to their product right um, and so they mentor me by just reading what they what they write 
the other funny thing is that the Twitter writer community is really pretty great. And through that Twitter writer community, a couple of the authors that I have on my shelf that I so admire have interacted with me. And so it's a really generous industry. You know, if you approach it right, I think. I mean, I don't think people, they, like I try really hard not to be a germ, you know, <laughs> just like <laughs> clamor for them um, because I'm such a fan. But just when they put something out there that is a, a tip or a, if they're just sharing a frustration, to tap in on that and say, oh my gosh, I've had that same frustration too. What did you do? And it's really amazing um, how encouraging it is just to have that interaction with them. So I would say SCBWI, books that I read are my mentors always. Um, and then the Twitter community, the Twitter writing community is fantastic. I, I've got a couple of really, never would have imagined they would have been such tight connections that have really been great. So, so for someone, let's say they're just starting off. Um, so I, I know somebody's a writer, they're just starting off with Twitter not really even aware of a Twitter writing community. And I'm not a veteran or a, a master at it myself, but what advice would you give for that person to finding and interacting in a good way with the Twitter writing community? Well, I can tell you how it worked for me. Um, I, first of all, this is a funny thing. I started a Twitter account because at an SEBWI conference, there was a session about social media. And I went to this session because I felt certain that I had to have a social media presence if I was going to be successful as a published author. And the very first thing that they said when we got into the session was that this doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> your success as an author is not going to be, you know, come or go based on your Twitter popularity or your Instagram account. Um, and so that was kind of crushing. So I was like, oh, I was like, ready. this was going to launch my career. Um, you know, I don't really sell books on Twitter, right? Because who I'm interacting with is a peer group, not my, my end user group, right? So in order, like, for instance, if I want to be on Twitter and sell picture books, I would need to be really networked in the teacher community and the library community, you know, and the moms with toddlers community or whatever. The Twitter writing community, what I did was I, I reached, I found what the hashtag was. Like I learned that you find your hashtag. So hashtag writing community. Mm -hmm. And I literally just said, new to the writing community, hashtag writing community, um, what do I need to know? And immediately started getting responses. And then I immediately started to read. So the thing I've learned with Twitter is you do have to do it regularly and you have to keep up on what you're reading and responding to. Liking and responding to stuff is the way to make connections. Um, and then when people follow you, follow them back. Be a follow back. It's a, it's a good thing to do unless you have a real reason not to. Mm -hmm. I've also learned um, reading the bio for, for a person is really meaningful. And if they have a pinned tweet, and I've heard people say a lot of times, if you don't have a pinned tweet, you're really missing out. Like, do that. And I learned that too. So if like, let's say I make a new follow, follow back, and I look at their pinned tweet and I find it powerful, I'll retweet it. And it may be a six-month-old pinned tweet that they just love. And, but that like, if, if that does something for them, and then they go and do mine and, so, um, but it's funny, like you'll see the same names again. So like there's a handful of people, there's, um, there's some erotica writers that I'm friends with on Twitter, right? And I don't read erotica, but, but like, but they're, I love them and they're, they're fantastic and supportive. Um, mystery writers, children's writers, um, all kinds of things. Um, but that's exactly, it truly happened organically like that. Um, and then you start to get response to stuff and it's really supportive. It's really great. Very cool. 
And, um, you know, kind of within that community, I think it's interesting um, just how supportive it is, like even with bookstores, like I know uh, here in the Nashville area, you know, with uh, Parnassus books mm -hmm. and uh, which, which is funny because I have four kids, so I never actually go like anywhere near Nashville, even though I live outside of it, like you never have time to do that. But I feel like I know the bookstore just from just from that and uh, how they support you. How do you build those other relationships? Like you were talking about, like there's agent, there's mentors, there's the writing community. How do you build it with, you know, librarians or bookstores? You know, what's been really amazing to me with this is, this has been so gratifying and heartwarming with this book publication. Um, I, I'm, I love Parnassus and I don't live in Frank, in Nashville either. I'm outside in south of Nashville. So um, it's a trek and Green Hills is a lot of traffic, um, but I just love that bookstore so much. There's also another one called The Bookshop in East Nashville that I just adore and it's a trek. Um, but I, I, I think for one thing is I go to those bookstores and I, and I show my face and I, I'm a generally friendly person, I think, when I'm out. <laughs> so, um, so I think that they, I tend to like, they remember me. I love it when store, anybody who has name tags, I always address that person by their name on their name tag. My son loves that I do that at the grocery store. He makes so much <laughs> um, But if you're wearing a name tag, I kind of feel like that's why you're wearing it. Um, so for instance, when I first got to say to somebody at Parnassus, this is happening, they were so open to, well, let us know what the schedule is. We want to make sure we support you. Um, and then I go to signings, I go to book launches and book plays, I go to events at those bookstores. Um, there's been several authors since my launch who I've seen somehow in our community or on Facebook, social media, somewhere comment when they, when they were commenting on my post for my book saying, I remember Rachel coming to my book signing and I didn't expect that. And I was, it was so gratifying because all I want to be able to do is support people and it really does come back. And so what I learned was like, and Parnassus, Rayanne is so great. And she'll say to new people there, you know, um, Rachel's here for everybody's book signing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just, I want to show that support to Parnassus. I want to show it. And then interesting note um, on this is that not knowing, I didn't know the etiquette about this because Parnassus hosted my book launch just fabulous of them and yeah yeah it was fun with your with your illustrator and everything yeah, yeah oh which was so great yeah but the bookshop stocked my book and barnes and noble and cool springs stocked my book and i started i had this worry i was like well do i not talk about that on social media because parnassus has done this launch for me and i kind of so i fielded that out to peers and mentors right mm -hmm. and and the and the consensus was oh no 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 they people have your book pub, pub, um, publicize that no one's feelings are hurt. They all love each other. And I just, I love that so much that I don't have to feel guilty for one or the other, you know? Um, and it's cool too. Like the indie bookshop sites are cool for that because then it's whatever indie bookshop you want to buy it from. Um, people always say to me, where should I get it? I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to tell you that. I want you to get it from where you love. Who do you love? <laughs> you know? That's fun. What is the coolest book launch you've been to? I know this, right, this season, everything else with online, it's different. What's been your favorite book launch that you've been to? Or maybe some favorite things. If you, if you have trouble picking favorites, like if you feel like you're loyal to too many people. Well, I think what's happened for me with that is, um, is the ones that are um, authors that I am a huge fan. And so I would say two that stick out. Um, John Klassen is a picture book marvel. And so when he was at Parnassus, I just thought I would fall over. Um, and then Court Stevens, 
when she did the, the, the one that I finally got to go to was June boys, which is her fourth book. And I mean, I'm such a court Stephen stalker. It's not even funny. And maybe that's <laughs> what she, it, she may have moved out of Nashville because I came in to see her too much. So, um, <laughs> so to get to go to her launch and that's, that's, you know, that's an author that I aspire to have a book on the shelf next to. So those were the ones to me that were most fun. Um, but they're all great. They're all so, they're, it, it's so joyful to see an author get to, and even, even, you know, fourth book in, even John Klassen, like, like, right, they're still so genuinely excited for their new baby, you know? <laughs> and so I just love them so much. Um, I love it when they read from their books. I love it if it's a picture book and for the kids interaction. Come sit on the floor with me, that's the best. If I get to do an in-person, that this that they will be I will be on the floor, not up on the stage. <laughs> Absolutely. Very cool. I love getting right down. And I I mean, if you've got kids, or I mean, you're so used to. It. Plus, you I mean, you've read to kids for yeah. forever. So yeah, absolutely. So that's great. Um, so I I always I'm kind of curious to know. So you've got all these different things uh, going on. So we're at the end of 2020 right now. Where do you want to be? Like, if I were to say, okay, Rachel, what is your perfect scenario for this time a year from now? from a writing perspective, what would it be? From writing, um, I would like to be polishing my second YA as far as the actual work that I'm doing. Um, I always have picture books going, so they'll just con continue to rotate, but um, I'd like to be polishing the second YA by, by this time next year. From a career standpoint, um, I would like to have at least two more contracts signed. <laughs> um, that, I mean, that's, I do, I do, I really do, I love the process. I love writing. If I don't have another contract for 10 years, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm not, it's not just for that, but I do want this to be a career. So, um, so I do stay business focused on that. So I absolutely set goals for, you know, how many things are going to get into how many hands. And, and I want to, you know, I, I do that thing or, you know, just like write it, write it down, make it happen, which is one of my old favorite books of this. But, um, like I'll write down, I will have another contract by March. Hmm. And then if that doesn't happen, I throw it away and I wrote, I will have another contract <laughs> by June. But you know, I don't, you don't want to get down on yourself, but like, yeah, no, I'm focused on that. So from that standpoint, yeah, I'm ready to get more contracts. So if I'll you were start. to go, go back to Rachel, when she got started, what is one piece of advice you'd give to her? Um, I'm going to say organization. It took me, it, probably two solid years to figure out that I was scattered in my organization, especially if you are, well, not, that's not even fair for my picture books. Like I would have a notebook for one thing and a folder for one thing and a bunch of scattered notes for another thing. And, and then when I put something aside to work on this, I would like a month later, find some stack of papers that were about something I'd been working on. Um, and that was a big mistake. So now I'm in, have invested a lot of time in like regrouping all that, trying to, figure out my system. And then the same with the chapter books. And I mean, I've written several chapter books. I've written one complete YA. And for both, like, I never, I didn't have a system for it. Mm -hmm. And so now I know better. So now like when I start something new, it's chapter book or YA, I have a binder. I have, a, I know what notes I'm going to need to go back and find. Um, I'm, I'm a total cancer. I don't plot that stuff at all. <laughs> but I have learned just because I'm pantsing, I, because I'm pantsing, I better take some good notes as I go. 
-hmm. you know, because it's really bad when you get to the end of your first draft of something and you realize that you're, you've made a timeline that's like crosses time barriers and it's contemporary. <laughs> like, <laughs> what you just wrote didn't work. So, um, so yeah, I would say I would go back to myself and say, you know, really ask a lot of people about how they organize their writing, you know, filing systems, writing systems, what they do and, and pick one and try to do that. Um, if it's going to be Scribner, people are really into that. Learn it from the get go. I don't use it. And I'm convinced I, I will never will now because I didn't start with it. So <laughs> I just wrote about that like two weeks ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm behind. I mean, not behind, but I, you know, like I, so like I use Google Docs, but what do you, do you have like different things that you use? It's, it's a word thing for me. So pr process wise for that, I write everything in word. Um, but with the picture books, I will say, and this is something that um, I hope to someday be able to teach people from my process is, um, is that picture books are visual and they're not on a screen for the most part. So I print out like when I get to a certain place with them or if I'm stuck, um, I print it out in large print and I cut it up and I make it really big. And, and it's really interesting how you can, because picture books follow patterns and it's really a good way to see, you know, and then I'll keep some of those or I'll take pictures of what I've done because that's like, I want that as part of my process history. Um, and it's fun, like it's fun to go back and look at things and when my books are, you know, world bestsellers <laughs> and th that I will write a book about this and then I will <laughs> show you all of my silly notes. But yeah, it's, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think organization will be the thing and then that, yeah, keep your stuff, keep your drafts. It's right. fun. Now, do you, like your mom did, you put things in big like brown paper or whatever it is and put them on the wall? Is that when you're done with a picture book, you're like, okay, this is it? Um, I make mock-ups of books. They're pretty silly, but I'm a, I make mock-ups. And my mom did teach me how to do that. There's a really good way to make a 32-page mock-up book. It's pretty really? easy. With, yeah, with, um, you need uh, eight sheet, 16 sheets of paper and a cover, and you fold four together and fold four together and then cover around the four, and you make the 32. And that, because one of the things with picture book when you're working on them is, um, is pacing and pacing can be kind of hard. And so you might write something and realize that it's way too long or way too short. And so how you figure that out, say like, do it as a page turn. Like, where would you turn the page here? And then you go, wow, I only have four pages. <laughs> or, you're like, oh no, I have 94 pages. So, um, so yeah, making mock-ups. So I don't, I'm not artistic. I don't draw. I've gotten some, some stuff to try to learn how to letter and do different things because I think it's cool. Um, but I don't, I'm not good at that. And so big things, I shy away from like that, but my mock-ups, I like having mock-ups of the words. So mm -hmm. that's what I do. Okay. Nice. Nice. And, uh, if you were to go back and, uh, or I guess this is a little, maybe not go back. If you could sit down with any writer from history, um, who, um, who would that be? Wow. It has to be a writer. Okay. Um, I, this sounds so, um, this so, either sounds like a cop out or it sounds too trendy, but it, I think it would be Dr. Seuss. Mm -hmm. And, and I think because, well, first of all, cause the rhyme is just so ridiculously fun. Um, although Shel Silverstein, that's another, I mean, Shel is, <laughs> I think I don't even know what I would say to him. Like I know exactly everything I want to say to Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss has several, what I call his adult books. I don't know if you know if you're, super you must be with all your kids and you're writing like i'm a dr <laughs> seuss fanatic um yeah we have them like, they go through phases 
Yeah. Funny. It's like Vegas like this, and Dr. I would sit down with him and talk about Sneetches and the Butter Battle book and Yertle, the Turtle, and like that stuff that I consider adult books mm-hmm. also. Um, and talk about like the formation of that. I, my, what I try to do in my picture books is make a point about a bigger world picture. And so I think he's, he has done that in such a remarkable way. I want, he must have cared about those things. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's some weird history there too. And it was a different time. And I think if he was still developing as a human being right now, he would have developed a lot. Um, I don't hold any of that against him. So I would want to know, like when you were writing the Sneetches, like where was your head about how people are treated differently because of how they look? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, how did you figure that out? So he would be the one. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So to wrap things up here, where can people go to find more about Rachel Kane? You can learn about me at happywithabook.com. That's mm-hmm. my website. And it's got some background information about me. It's got some writing samples from um, all genres of my stuff. And link to You Know How to Love to the Philomel um, page for ordering. Um, yeah, and that's a, and it's a contact sheet. So if there's a writer out there that wants to throw me a question, um, I'll tell you, that's how I got anywhere is by throwing a question to a really seasoned writer who was so generous to answer it. So, And actually, that reminds me of one other thing. So um, I'm adding on this bonus coverage here. Um, so with your website, that's one of the questions I've had. Like if you have some different samples of other things that because some people I've said, like they've said, don't put anything out there unless it's done and your agent puts it out, not you. And you've got different things on your, your site, um, on your webpage. How do you know what to put on and what's okay to put on, even if it's not published or right. how do you decide what to put on? So these are the rules of thumbs that I went with from just from my research and then my gut feeling. Right. And so this might not be all the perfect answers, but it's what, it's how I decided. Um, I don't, Put anything on my website that's a full manuscript mm-hmm. right so it, I, I had to get past the initial fear of thievery mm-hmm. you know and it, it sounds so it sounds so conceited like i'm going to put this out and someone's going to steal my greatest idea ever and, and at some point I, I think i just had to realize that you know if someone steals it and writes a great book based on my idea then that's great that that idea is out there, I guess. I don't, I, I got to move on from that fear because I want to be able to share my style. I think that agents and editors and people in general in the industry, they want to kind of see like what you're about. And if you're about multiple things, like I felt like I needed for someone who might be considering me for anything, like let's say it's a, it's a speaker thing, right? Let's say I get invited to speak somewhere and they, they don't know if they want to invite me because they don't know if I'm really holed up in just picture books. Mm-hmm. And that's my only thing that I talk about. I want them to be able to see some examples of what I do in those other genres, right? Um, and then, but now we'll say this. It, the second that my agent is subbing something, it would not be on my website at all. Mm-hmm. Like, so if let's say I have something I'm, let's say I, like, like I pulled one of the things that's on the website samples and started talking with Mary about it and we decided to go for it with that one. I would pull that off right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Because now I need to just shut that down until this process is done. Um, and then the why I like saying it's just a little sample. But no, I, I and I think a lot of times and this happens for a lot of people when you get a response from an agent that says uh, that they might be interested in your work. They want to see something else. So let's say you pitch book A and you get a response to hey, I, this is really interesting to me. Can you send me a couple samples of other things? Mm-hmm. And so I think also just kind of being ready with that. Um, 
And if you, if you have a website with some of that stuff already on it, then maybe the agent already has that advantage of seeing it. So. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this great wisdom of yours. And, uh, <laughs> and thank you. So make sure to, uh, to follow Rachel. Also, if you like this, uh, go to uh, kidletstudio.com. You can go to YouTube uh, to watch this video. If you're listening, uh, you can look for Kidlet Studio Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And then, of course, Kidlet Studio on Twitter. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And Rachel, thank you again. Thank you. This has been awesome. Thanks, Brian.